now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Time to start the bird seed. Watch out for the seagulls. Oh, my head! Are you okay? United Healthcare helps connect you to care whenever you need it. Like video chatting with a doctor right from your phone. So I don't need stitches? No, just put some antibiotic cream on it. Great. Thank you, doctor. United Healthcare. Health plan benefits may vary. Do you believe in ghosts? I must admit, I am getting a very, very eerie feeling. Very. Oh. Not comfortable. Don't like being up here on my own to be fair with you guys, really. It's... Which is not like me. If you want me to go, you'll have to make a noise and I'll leave. You'll have to have a bigger noise than that. Oh, fuck, that'll do. The subject of ghosts is an emotive one, which most people have an opinion. From Stonewall skeptics to absolute believers, and all those on the fence in between. Simply asking someone in the street, do you believe in ghosts? will return an explanation of rationales from the scientific to religious beliefs. Whether it be ghosts, phantoms, spirits, shadows, apparitions, or even hallucinations, are they tricks of the mind or something more that can't be explained? In any case, society's fascination with the unknown creates the liveliest of debates, resulting in books, conferences, TV shows, and even podcasts such as this. We'll do nothing more than present the evidence for you to make up your own mind. But throughout, please do not stop asking yourself, do you believe in ghosts? My name is Richard. I'm the owner of Fright Nights Northamptonshire. My interest in the paranormal goes back probably as far as I can remember. I can remember reading ghost books and, and so on when I was young. Um, but in all honesty, I was always on the fence. I was never either a believer or a sceptic. I was always very much in the middle. My outlook on it all changed probably about 15 or 16 years ago now. And it changed really because of a single event. I was walking home from work um, on a summer's evening. I think it was August, September time. It was daylight, it was sunny. Um, and I took a shortcut through the grounds of an old house in Northampton. And I wasn't really thinking about anything paranormal, although the, the building does have a strong reputation for being haunted locally. But that was far from my mind until I happened to walk round the corner of the house and bumped into a lady in a, in a long flowing dress. And from a distance of about 10 metres, she then disappeared in front of me. And one second she was there and the next she was gone. So that pretty much convinced me that there might be something in it. I started doing more research, I started looking at haunted places, and I started taking myself out visiting places. So I would turn up at supposedly haunted locations, I'd go and have a wander around and nose around, I'd spend as much time as possible um, investigating and looking into the places on my own, off my own back. From there I picked up more experiences, which follows really, spending more time in the in haunted locations. The more experiences I had, the more interested and intrigued I became, 
I started doing organised ghost hunts about five years ago and then last year I took ownership of Fight Nights Northamptonshire and we take members of the public on overnight investigations and give them the opportunity to hopefully experience something with us as well. I'm Jim Harold, and I'm a professional paranormal podcaster. I started podcasting in 2005 as kind of a hobby, and since I was a little kid, I have been fascinated by Fortiana, the paranormal, everything from ghosts to UFOs to Bigfoot, all of it. And uh, as a kid, the thing that really got me kicked off was a TV series here in the States called In Search Of with the late, great Leonard Nimoy. And I said, well... I like that show because, yeah, you watch it now, uh, you know, at that point, 30 years hence, and it looked a, a little campy, a little silly, but they did always try to treat the subjects with some seriousness. And I felt that was lacking, and I'd always been looking for kind of a replacement. So I thought, what if somebody did kind of a radio show where you interview uh, authors and experts and take this seriously? And uh, I started to do it it as a hobby and lo and behold it caught on much to my surprise people started to email me from all around the world saying how much they enjoyed the shows i increased my production uh started more podcasts started kind of a premium podcast uh, part of what i do about three years ago a little over three years ago i took it as a full-time pursuit so this is my job uh my two main podcasts that your listeners might want to tune into are the Paranormal Podcast, the first show that I started, which focuses on interviews with authors and experts about their thoughts on the paranormal. And when I say paranormal, I have a very wide tent, so I cover everything. Sometimes we even get into things like conspiracies, although we don't do as much of that on that show. Um, the Campfire, Jim Harold's Campfire, I started a little later in 2009, and that is the one that I think resonates most, and that's just plain people calling in, sharing their ghost stories. and Or it could be UFO stories. We just had one this last week. Cryptid stories as well, but mainly ghost stories. And the thing that kind of uh, has surprised me is it's kind of become a paranormal support group of the air. Now, I don't claim to be any kind of therapist or anything like that. Far from it, and certainly not any kind of guru. But what I can say is the people have said, you know, I listen to this show and it's very comforting to me because I thought I was the only one. I thought I was crazy. And uh, the show has provided one forum for people who've had these experiences to say, hey, uh, this has happened to me. And this is everybody from a doctor to uh, an attorney, I guess you call it a barrister over there, uh, to literally ditch diggers you know? <laughs> I mean and everything in between so I really believe that this phenomenon is something that touches all of us in one way or another and I'm more convinced than ever there's something going on uh, I'm less sure about what it might be I should mention I have three books out and uh, towards the end of sub mid middle to end of September 2015 I'll have a fourth book out and those are taken from the uh the program holy i have just seen a ghost why is the subject of ghosts such a worldwide phenomenon the rationale behind the obsession could be people's natural reasoning when dealing with the unknown for instance 
A mysterious photo containing the figure of a person clearly not present when initially taken may be difficult to explain. Many people may assume that if they can't explain something simply, then it must be something paranormal. This leads to the debate between self-proclaimed logical skeptics and believers, a debate where no matter your age, race, gender, or location, anyone can have an opinion. There are a whole range of different uh, phenomena um, and activity that we experience. People will feel a variety of different things, so it may be simply that they don't like a particular area. A lot of the time they don't know why, all they'll be able to say is, I don't like it here, I don't know why. It could be that, it can go to people feeling that somebody's standing with them even though they're not, that they're on their own. Um, people can feel somebody moving around them. Um, they tend to be the most common things. People can feel they're naturally hot or naturally cold as though there's a, a heat or a, or a cold source uh, close to them. We then get things like noises. Um, it could be bangs, it could be knocks. Um, we get voices, we get disembodied voices that seem to come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's, it can be anything from a, a sigh or a, or a cough to a, a laugh or whistle. We've had sentences, we've had words, um, to things being moved, poltergeist activity, items being moved, things being thrown, all the way through to full apparitions, which is the, the rarest thing, it's the holy grail, which is when somebody actually sees a, a ghost or a spirit standing in front of them. It's the rarest thing, but when you think that they have to use the energy within an atmosphere to produce activity, that is what will take them the most energy, so it's the hardest thing to do. A little bit like going for a walk is easier than, than going for a 20-mile run. It works on the same kind of basis. It's much easier for them to stand close to somebody and affect them personally than it is for them to manifest fully in front of a, of a whole room of people. So you tend to find that the, the things that are the most spectacular are the rarest because of the amount of energy that they, they require to make that happen. I guess on one level, there were a couple of stories that my parents had that they told me. And my parents were very working class kind of folks. My dad, he's retired now, but was a steel worker. My uh, late mother was a, uh, a homemaker. Uh, so they, they were not given to flights of fancy. My dad actually had one story that happened with him and my uncle. And my mom had a great story that happened with my dad. And those stories were very much, hey, this is weird. I don't know what it is. But they happened. I guess on some level, as a kid, I said, well, if my parents are saying this, there must be something to it. It wasn't anything I specifically experienced. You know, I've had a couple things here, like uh, a couple times when if I've been place X where I would normally be, I'd be quite dead. <laughs> you know, things like that. But nothing, you know, I've not seen a lot of things. I did have an experience where I think I got an after-death communication from my brother after he died. But I'm not one of these people that sees things all the time or sees full-body apparitions. I don't think I'm particularly sensitive. But I guess hearing those um, hearing those stories when I was a kid added more credence to it and got me interested in things like uh, In Search Of or reading the books of Charles Berlitz on something like the Bermuda Triangle, which I did as a elementary school kid. So I think this idea that there's something other, something we don't understand. I think that was kind of ingrained in me at a at a young age. But certainly parents were not at all metaphysically oriented. 
you know, this was, you know, I was a little kid in the 70s. So this is really before the new age thing kind of caught hold later in the 80s. So they were not, they were the opposite of new agey. <laughs> Frankly, I don't think if you have a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic that you could tell them any story that will change their opinion. So I can't say that there is one story that would absolutely convince a skeptic. I'll, I'll kind of backtrack and give you my view on this and how I approach the, the campfire program. People call in. Now, first of all, there's no financial advantage for them. Um, and certainly while the shows are popular in the podcasting realm, it's not like they're going to be on TV. They really don't have a vested interest in lying to me. Just logically, it makes sense to me that, that the great majority of people who come on the program are A, coming from a pure heart, wanting to tell what they experienced, and, and B, that they're telling the truth as they believe it, as they recall it. That doesn't mean that every single story is actually a ghost. It may be a misinterpretation, but in their mind, they're absolutely telling the truth. And, and in the vast majority of cases, now, I've had cases where I think that people have been putting me on, a couple of cases. Not many, though, over, over what, six years now in the campfire shop. But in the vast majority, I think people are telling stories as they believe them. Storytelling is one of the earliest forms of entertainment where humans regale each other with tales of struggles, heroism, adventure, and terror. Tales of the unknown or paranormal activities have played a huge part within society from the earliest civilization all the way to modern day. The vision of groups huddled together sharing eerie tales by a campfire is a popular stereotype I can recall as long as I can remember. Whether it is to share a cautionary tale or just to entertain, the medium of telling ghostly tales has brought people together for many millennia, whether listeners are skeptics or believers. My aunt is a Canadian. She lived in Canada but when she came back to Vietnam and then she traveled from Ho Chi Minh City to Nha Trang, which is a, a very nice beach city. And when she was on the train, and then it was the train, over, an overnight train, and the train stopped at a station where in the middle of Vietnam, and uh, she was sleeping then, but then she felt something, um, something wet on her back, and she felt that something put, put pressure on her, and then she tried to wake up, but she couldn't. But she couldn't then. So she, she tried to move her legs, to her daughter who is lying next to her. But then the, the daughter thought that uh, she needs more space. So she uh, moved further from her. My aunt couldn't wake up because she, she feel a pressure on her, but she, she, she tried her best, but she cannot uh, wake up. Then she felt that a man sitting on her and licking her back. So she, she feel like she feel like depressed and she's so scared. Uh, she tried to scream out, but uh, it was it was a man who uh, topless um, with a with a necklace of the you know you know um, people in army. So she tried her best and then she 
Ken screamed out, and then her daughter wake up and saw her so terrified, and then she tried to wake her up, and then she told the whole story to her daughter and then other passenger on the coach of the train, and then they said that it was the station. There used to be a fight during the Vietnam War in that station, and there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, soldier died there. I took a group of people around a building called Abington Park Museum, which is in Northampton, and it was actually the first time we'd done a, a ghost hunt at this particular location. So it was a it was a very unknown location. We weren't sure how much we'd pick up, whether we'd pick up anything, or whether we were going to spend a few hours just sitting in the dark talking to each other. But it proved to be a, a very good night. We got a lot of different activity throughout the whole night. One of the, the highlights of the night for me was taking a group of about 12 or 15 people around one of the uh, the exhibit areas, and we, we settled into an area. It was pitch black. We were just letting the, the group settle down and kind of get their bearings, get used to being in the dark. And for an empty corner of the room, we heard a, a sigh, a very clear sigh, it was a woman's voice. And about half the group heard it. Everybody agreed it was definitely the, the sound of a woman sighing. So we did a little bit of exploration and we ascertained that there was nobody else um, within the area other than us. So what we decided to do was to see if we could replicate it. One, you could potentially explain there's no, no noise. If you get a second one on request, that's much more unexplainable. So we got the whole group gathered around in this uh, in this particular area of the room, and we asked aloud for whoever had made the sign noise to do it again. And within about three seconds, we got exactly the same sign noise from the the empty corner of the room again. This time, everybody heard it. The whole group agreed again that it hadn't been any of us that made the noise. It was definitely a woman's sign. It was definitely coming from the empty corner of this particular room. So we gathered around for a third time, and I said out loud for the, for the whole group to hear, OK, if that was you that was sighing, can you say something for us instead? And within a second, from the same corner of the room, a woman's voice said yes. Taken a lot of people back there since, and it's it's a good area. Every time we visit this particular room, we, t we tend to get some good activity. But a couple of them have changed their beliefs on, on being in that building alone, so it definitely does something to people. I kind of like uh, the Twilight Zone type stories, the ones that are not straight up ghost stories, but they have ghostly elements. And one of my favorites is a very long story, but I'll try to encapsulate it. And I don't know that this would convince anybody, but I think this is one where you've got to say, A, the person's lying, and I don't believe that the person was lying, or B, wow, something weird happened and they got caught in something, and I don't know what it is. But this is one of our listeners. She was from uh, up, I think, up in Minnesota or Wisconsin in the American Midwest, and she was going with a friend to see a band at a bar, which was, I think, about an hour from where they lived. It was a man and a woman, and my caller was a woman. So they, um, they went to see the band, and they stayed till closing time, which is generally around 2 o'clock here in the States. They left to go back home. They had an hour trip through this dark rural area, and the lady had to go to the restroom, but there was nowhere to go. So she's kind of like, well, just drive fast. So all of a sudden, they come upon this roadhouse. It's kind of like almost like something you'd see in a movie with neon signs and cars parked in the parking lot. And they're thinking, well, that's odd. This bar, and it's past closing time, but they're open. Let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. They go in. Everybody is kind of odd. They don't really speak to them as they come in. They just kind of smile and look at them blankly. And they start talking to people. They get a couple of beers. And the people almost act like uh, 
they're, they're speaking a foreign language. And the man comments, the man, I guess, was into art. He said, I'm really glad we're here because there's a mural on the wall that people talk about all the time, and, and I've always wanted to see it. And I started looking at it. It was an Old West mural, like the American Old West cowboy kind of thing. And it was like a bar set in the Old West. But they noticed, oddly enough, that the people who were actually physically in this bar that night were in the same positions as the people in the painting. They've had a couple years, I guess, and they start to look at it and they realize that at the door, the old swinging doors you may have seen in the TV westerns and the movie westerns, there's two figures. But the figures are almost like they're developing into the picture, like the old Polaroid pictures, if anybody's old enough to remember those, where you slowly kind of develop, and it's not fully formed, but you could see the figures shaping. And it, one is of a woman and one is of a man. One is of a tall man that looks just like the gentleman driving that night with my caller. And the woman has boots on and a dress and looks like my caller. All of a sudden, they get the sense that, wow, we're, we're materializing in this painting. If we don't get out of here, then we're not going to get out. So they leave. As they close the door, all of the neon signs go out like it had never been open, and the cars that were in parking lots are not there, except for theirs. So they get out. Now, my caller, who is very brave, decides to go back in the daytime, granted with a friend a couple of days later. Uh, one of the anecdotes that she told was that uh, the bar had an old-time jukebox with 45 records, and somebody asked them to dance with a particular song, Chubby Chickers, Let's Twist Again. Well, when she went back, there was a jukebox there, but it was a CD jukebox, and the song wasn't on it. Um, there was a woman bartending. And the night they were there, there was a young man bartending, very kind of buff and good-looking. And yeah, the, the woman asks the bartender, well, where was the bartender who was here the other night? The good-looking young guy. It's like, the only one that bartends here is me and my father, <laughs> who was not a young guy in a strap T-shirt. And uh, she left and just chalked it up to one of those extremely weird things. Now, I think to me there are two explanations. A, she's lying, which I don't believe that she is. I believe she's telling the truth. Or B, she happened upon something very, very, very strange. I don't know if that's really a traditional ghost story, but it's one that sticks out to me. Whether or not those stories offer compelling enough evidence to sway your views on ghosts or the paranormal, you may be interested in some explanation for their origins. There are many potential explanations, including the difference between ghosts and spirits. However, regardless of if you're a paranormal enthusiast or a firm non-believer, or just not yet decided. The rationale behind paranormal activities is as interesting as the stories of the activity itself. The theory that I subscribe to in terms of the paranormal to start with, there are, there are two separate entities we're looking at. There are ghosts and there are spirits. Now, a ghost is essentially a replay, it's a recording. 
and there is a theory called the stone tape theory and what that theory dictates is that much like the magnetic strip on a videotape can record and replay images i.e. videos films something like that um, the fabric of a building can actually do the same um, and if something is repeated often enough it can actually absorb the the energy into the fabric of the building um, if that happens often enough over a, a long period of time in certain conditions it can then play back that particular occurrence so if for instance um, let's say you were uh, you were talking about an old manor house and you've got a maid that walks down a particular corridor every night before she goes to bed as the last one awake she has to check in every room make sure the lights or the fires are out shut the doors to each room before she goes to bed okay she does this every night for the 25 30 years that she works in this particular house um, that will imprint itself into the fabric of the building in certain conditions that may then replay so you could be standing in that corridor and you could see a maid walking and looking in each and every room checking the fires out and shutting the door in each room before she walks out of the corridor again that is a ghost um, it doesn't have any awareness you can't communicate with it it can't communicate you it doesn't know you that it is simply a recording but that is what a, a ghost is so you cannot communicate with a ghost a spirit on the other hand is the spirit or, or the soul of a person that was uh, that was once physical that was once alive that is their essence so that will have awareness it will be able to communicate if it wants to um, quite often they don't simply because they have no reason to they, they don't know us they have, they have no reason to necessarily want to communicate with us but that will have awarenesses that will know that you are there so if we're standing in a, in a corridor and we get the spirit of a maid walk down and we stand waving at it to try and get its attention she will probably ask us what we're doing waving at her and whether we're meant to be in the house or something like that so the spirit will have awareness and the, and the ghost won't so they are two totally different types of, uh, of entity but yeah you can get both in the same location there's no kind of rule that says you can't have ghosts and spirits together most most locations if they are haunted and they are haunted by more than one will probably have spirits and ghosts most of the places that we go to in fact all of the places that we go to will have spirits and ghosts um, and generally at least one of each so it's not a case that you can't have one if you've got the other they they will um, they will cross over and you can get both Yes, I believe in ghosts, but I am not 100% convinced what they represent. Uh, I worry sometimes that maybe things that present them as sweet old Aunt Martha might not be Aunt Martha. They may be imposter spirits, and I don't know what the mechanism is. The thing is, is that it's very odd. Doing these podcasts has really shifted my belief system. Uh, in the sense that I am still convinced there's something to the paranormal in general. Actually, I am more convinced. I've heard so much. But looking at any individual case, I tend to be more skeptical, if that makes any sense. So any one individual case, I may have a lot more questions. However, in general, I think there is certainly something going on. So yes, I believe in ghosts. As to what they are, I'm not sure. Whether you're a skeptic or believer, there are many things in this world that can't be explained, and as we may never have any firm answers, it is up to each of us to decide what we truly believe.
And in any case, continue to listen, wave the evidence, and don't stop asking. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes and no. I, I believe there's something in the afterlife, but I don't necessarily think that we become these spirits that float around houses haunting people, necessarily. It depends on what you believe in, because like, sometimes you get them like weird feelings, but then sometimes it's just like, you can say, oh, it's just a dark or it's a wind. Yeah, because there's strange things happen. You don't really know why. There's no other explanation, so I think there is something. I completely believe in ghosts because there's been too many things that have happened in my life that are strange and unexplainable to believe that there aren't. seen one before and they're not real. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? Then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.